Hello, welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw is the first spin-off of the Fast and Furious franchise, and the ninth instalment overall. Uh, centred around the titular characters Luke Hobbs and Deckard Shaw, who were introduced in the main series. This movie is out now, so if you haven't watched Hobbs and Shaw yet, but you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. Directed by David Letch, Hobbs and Shaw stars Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham reprising their roles as Hobbs and Shaw, who become unlikely allies who are forced to team up. We've also got Idris Elba, Vanessa Kirby and Helen Mirren for good measure. Jason, you have the plot. So not me, but some of us saw Luke Hobbs, uh, played obviously by Dwayne Johnson, a loyal agent of America's diplomatic security service, and Deckard Shaw, Jason Statham, a former British military elite operative, first face off in 2015's Furious 7. Hobbs is the man of the law. Shaw is the lawless outcast, apparently. This duo have talked smack and punched each other. They are not friends. When cyber-genetically enhanced anarchist Brixton, played by Idris Elba, gains control of an insidious bio-threat that could alter humanity forever, Hobbs and Shaw partner up to bring down this greater threat. So, Fast and Furious, superheroes. I want to start off by saying this. If you're listening to this review and you think, you know what? Jason sounds like he's got a bit of an attitude. Yeah, what's going it's on? Because what's with he does. <laughs> Talking about you, not Jason Statham, you. This, I believe, is your first Fast and Furious movie. Yeah, the first one I've watched in full. I've seen bits of like the first two. Um, and 100% the first one I've seen at cinemas. Like, so I went out and I gave someone money and I was like, can I watch this Fast and Furious movie, please? I did it. <laughs> I did it. So I'm coming into this with basically no context of any character, past, any mo- previous movies. I'm aware of the very gradual, if not jarring, tonal shift of the franchise. I believe we're in a Looney Tunes type kind of territory at the yeah, moment. Yeah, we've been there since for the while. Number five. So you watch this movie at my request, and I appreciate yeah, it. I'm I mean, happily obliged. Earlier in the year, I did sit through Detective Pikachu. He did, yes. Thanks for that. <laughs> but I thought, you know, we've never covered a Fast and Furious movie and the idea of starting with part seven, part eight, or Seems part silly. nine, it does. So I thought, Start what the if they presented a spin-off? <laughs> and they do. Fast and Furious and have presented us. Before watching it, I kind of thought, well, they're going to make this movie for the long-term fans, but you've, you've also got to think they're making a movie for someone like you that is maybe going to want to see the new... Dwayne Johnson movie so I feel as though I mean granted I've got all the context I know where the characters have been where they are in this movie and I do think they did a good job at filling in the pieces you would need to know I mean there are there are, there are bits and pieces where they they imply that characters have history together and not just the two leads but you know, with Idris Elba's character, and I'm like, oh, was he in a previous movie? I didn't know. Um, I'm not sure if, you know, um, the sister is a new character or if she's previously been around. Obviously, here Helen Mirren, uh, I, I believe, was in a previous okay, movie so as well. So there's a Hel- bit of Helen history. Mirren, she first appeared in Fate of the Furious, which is part eight, and she will be coming back for part nine. Idris Elba as Brixton Law, 
This is his first appearance. Okay, yeah, they definitely implied that there was some sort of history between him and Shaw, I believe. That's because the characters aren't children and they've lived lives oh, before the wow, events okay. of this movie. But besides all of that, you know, like... And the sister, it's her first time in this movie. Oh, always good to have a first-timer. Um, like me, as a first-timer, I was, you know, very much following everything that was happening with Eve. Uh, yeah, you, I didn't really need all of that back story and history to because a lot of it is it's filled in it is so the only characters that are returning are Hobbs and Shaw and everyone else is new oh sorry and yeah (laughs) she's returning but when you've got the the voice that you've got the big mastermind whose identity is never revealed which I like has keeps mentioning or has mentioned a couple of times having known Luke Hobbs they had an interaction in the past we, to our knowledge, have not had that character before. So it's new for this movie. So he doesn't know who that voice is, and it's not someone that we know, unless it's a pre-established character. But we'll find out or in it could sequels. be a character that's introduced in this movie uh, alongside. So it's essentially the, the three characters. But then if you did have the knowledge, that like when at some point Mr. Nobody is referenced, that's Kurt Russell's character. So it's good having that little bit of knowledge that and the little callbacks. But I do think with this, you know, the, the plot of this movie, the mission, it starts at the beginning and then throughout the movie, they're carrying out this mission. Save the sister, clear the names. That's the movie. It is simple. It doesn't make any sense, but it's simple. And it, well, I think it makes sense. It's, it's a, it's a, There's a virus. It's a story she injected thread. herself. It's a story thread that is there. And for the most part, I guess... It works because it is a thread. It, it puts together all of these action pieces. So we have a movie, yes. It's the two characters that were introduced... Well, not introduced. I'm introduced to. And the, the movie does introduce us to them or introduces me to them. I can see where these characters are. Like, they don't like each other. They're very different in their styles and what they stand for and where they've been, I guess. And they're button heads and they don't like each other. Let me quickly just... Bring you up to speed from memory, and then we can move on. Jason Statham's character, Deckard Shaw, he first appeared post credit scene at the end of Fast and Furious 6, where it was revealed that he was responsible for the death of Han Solo in the final scenes or during the movie Tokyo Drift, which was the third Fast and Furious movie. I can see that look in your face. Different Han Solo. I just got, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Solo is, is spelled S-E-O-U-L. Ah, oh, so they get away with it, yeah. <laughs> but it's pronounced Han Solo. So we're, we're following a character here that is one half of the duo. He's the, the character we're following and we're cheering for, but he was first introduced as a villain. First he kills Han Solo, and then he's the main villain in Fast and Furious 7. They completely changed it up, and although he's reluctant at the time, he works with the team in Fast and Furious 8, and that's where the producers got to see firsthand the rapport, the back and forth between Johnson and Statham. And someone thought, we need to get these guys in a movie. That's where that idea came from. So they're changing Shaw's character more and more to be a hero. Even in the previous movies, it was known that he did serve, I think at the time he was Special Forces, now, in this movie, they are retconning it and they're saying he was ex-MI6. So they've changed it. 
So they just seem to be a bit free and loose with who somebody is and what their motives are. Sure, okay. <laughs> but in this movie, chalk and cheese, you know, these, you know, opposites attract. These two guys are partnered together. The chemistry, I do think, is there. But we got about halfway throughout the movie and I was a little bit tired of it. Because <laughs> when when you've it. got two characters like this, part of a bigger ensemble, it is entertaining. And that's what we got in that last movie, in Fast and Furious 8. When it's the whole movie... There's a lot of it. And the sister's getting over it. And I'm like, I'm over it too. Like, it is a little bit much. I, it's like, yeah, like, I, I, do, I do need to say, the, the banter between the two and the throwing back of insults... Uh, like a lot of it was funny, hilarious. Even it I was. was. Like, it was very enjoyable, and I think one of the strongest elements of this movie is the two of them just on screen, the back and forth, all of that. Like I guess I think that's why you're here. Besides the action, it's like you're here for those two guys just doing their thing. But yeah, it does get a little bit exhausting around halfway. Once you know, you sort of seen it. By the time they're friends, I think it's. Or, you know, when they say they tr- they're trusting each other, it's like, you know, like, I guess they kind of do, do off with it. But, yeah, even the other characters give these looks of, like, wow, these two are children. And uh, they do point that out. So, I mean, I guess they're acknowledging it. It is a long movie. So, if you think maybe the oh last... God, it is a long movie. <laughs> so, two hours, 15. So, let's say the last half an hour is when they're, you know, friends and they're working together. That's an hour 45 mm. of them just butting heads. And more often than not, they're on screen. <laughs> it is their movie, Hobbs and Shaw, start to finish. But I mean, that whole aspect of the movie is to a formula. You know, you've got these unlikely, this unlikely pair. They don't like each other. You know they're going to come good towards the end to save the day. It's that Easy. thing though, isn't it? Like Usually Clean. it is an odd couple. And although they are odd, when it comes to like physicality, combat, fighting, whatever, they're on par with each other. Oh, yeah. So if you look at a movie like Rush Hour or Lethal Weapon, you're presented with opposites there, but one is always a better fighter. So that's where the dynamic is a little bit different in this. It's like watching Lethal Weapon and you've got two rigs. I'm just trying to think of Rush Hour. What does Chris Tucker bring to the team? Sass. Yes. <laughs> a lot of a lot of sass. I was like, because Jackie Chan's the better fighter. And he's the smarter one? So you've got Okay, well, let's talk Rush Hour for a moment. Jackie Chan in Rush Hour, he fights with his fists, Chris Tucker fights with his mouth. Oh, sure. There's your distinction. Anyway, back to Fast and the Furious. Okay, this this movie does have a long title. I mean we can just call it Hobbs and Shaw, but holy shit. Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. So you've got to think that any other spin-off will have that Fast and Furious presents. I was really missing Vin Diesel, if I'm honest, because he's so good <laughs> in the Fast and Furious movies. I mean... I guess I can't speak. <laughs> he's really good in, the, in those movies. And although I like watching Vin Diesel's movies, I don't feel like he's got many gears. And the one gear that he does very well is the performance of Dominic Toretto in these movies. Dwayne Johnson, Jason Statham, although I liked them in this, I'm more likely to follow them to other projects than I would be to watch Vin Diesel 
in, let's say, The Last Witchfinder or the other movies that he's made. Well, it's like Dwayne Johnson will just bring, like, that power it to it. It brings a lot to any Even role. to a new friend, like a fran- an pre-existing franchise, that he'll be plugged in, and I guess this franchise is one of them, which I assume only helped. They plug him into something and it vitalizes, it, it only lifts up the franchise, doesn't it? And what I'm trying... It does, yeah. And he's been with this series since Fast Five. What I'm trying to say is that Statham, Johnson, I'll follow them to most projects. Vin Diesel, I don't have the that project same... project would have to be something yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. But if we're talking Fast and Furious, I don't want to not see him. I really... <laughs> I, when they did the post-credit scenes and Dwayne Johnson advertised them beforehand online because like Vin Diesel is like his own PR machine when it comes to social media. And I did think Vin Diesel was going to pop up at some point. I've heard... I was disappointed that he did I don't want to get into gossip, but I've heard that there's some sort of feud between Dwayne Johnson and Vin Diesel and Vin Diesel might not have wanted this movie to happen. And I could see Vin Diesel's point on that because this is his. I mean, he did one. He... Didn't come back for two. It was Paul Walker and I'm blanking who... Oh, it was... Um, oh, he's, he's always on social media upset about being left <laughs> out. Who is it? Who is it? He's in Transformers as well. He's going to hate. <laughs> I can't remember his name. But uh, then we did the is third Is it Ludicrous? One. Or... No. Not Ludicrous. I'm trying to think of the actor's name. Is it a black guy? <laughs> it is, but I can't think of his name. But okay. Vin Diesel, he did the first one, didn't come back for two. He had a cameo at the end of three, which was Tokyo Drift, and that was connected to the rights to Riddick, the pitch black character. And then when they did Fast and Furious 4, that was like a soft reboot, but with the original actors. And then since part five, Johnson's been on the scene. So I can see how Vin Diesel could be threatened and just wanted to be front and centre. And again, that's where I want Vin Diesel to be in these movies. But it's almost as if... Because I remember hearing about the arguments on the sets of Fast and Furious 8. And at the time, people thought it was just a PR tactic. Oh, yeah, like banter between two. Yeah, like like to make people more interested to see the conflict on screen. And then I think it just ended up being real <laughs> so then it's kind of like if you're going to do a Fast and Furious movie Mr. Johnson you need to do it over there and that's what he's done but isn't you now this is just like second hand information but isn't the, the Fast and Furious movies even though they have gone into like Looney Tunes territory isn't it about family and like these characters being in a group and doing the thing together it is so isn't it's... the idea of a spin-off almost like against what Fast and Furious is? Not at all. Because Fast and Furious is about fast... I'm going to say vehicles, because we get, we get a lot of bike <laughs> it's chases being in fast. this. It's, it's about a, being furious. Uh, there's, there's two Fs. <laughs> and it's not Fast and Furious. It's Fast and Family. And when The Rock, or should I say Hobbs, when he goes home, it very much does feel like a Fast and Furious film. Because it brings it back to that family. It's all yeah. about family. And then you've got Shaw and his sister and their mum. That's a family. It is still about family. So it does play like a Fast and Furious movie. But I just did miss Vin <laughs> Diesel. We should talk about Hattie Shaw, Vanessa Kirby. I think she is absolutely fantastic. I was first introduced to her. I thought you were just going to say just so... 
pretty and beautiful. <laughs> I mean, and she's all she of that as well. Obvious. But she is absolutely fantastic. I is know she she's kicking up. Is she doing her own stunts? I don't know, but I mean, it looks like she is. But she's got a long history on TV. She was in The Crown. Lots of other things that I've not seen. But Mission Impossible yeah, Fallout is where we saw her last year. She was brilliant in that. And I'd say she's better in this. And we get a lot more of her. And she's just kicking ass. I thought, yeah, she's great in this. And they are too. Like, you know, Johnson and Statham. They're really good at what they're doing. Like, yeah. Yeah, I've not got criticisms with, with them and their performances. It was just that joke of them butting heads wore a little bit thin. But consistently, I thought everyone was firing all, all cylinders with these three guys. And I think sometimes when you... Especially when something is focused on like a pair, when there is a third character to sort of just sort of tag along with them, they can either bring some element or bring something or, you know, or basically take something away. I think Vanessa Kirby was actually bringing something... I guess maybe to interject that sort of banter between the two, to break that up a bit, to make it not feel as as exhausting as it did get. So I, that only helped. But no, she was a pretty decent character, and I, it was nice to have sort of like a sibling sort of relationship on screen like with the two of them. Uh, did you? I've heard things about like their ages don't really work. But I kind of can oh, see... That, I'm not... That doesn't phase yeah, me at all. Statham doesn't look that old. Like, he looks quite... Like, he could... In the, if you were yeah. like, oh, look, he's in his 40s, I'd buy it. And you could say... <laughs> you know what? I've oh, not thought about it until now. I, thinking I could, about I it... Say, okay, sure. Without looking up their ages, I would say, to play it safe, there's about 15 years between them. It's, I would say. I'd say at <laughs> it's, least... It's more. Well, he's, he's early 40s. Is he she, early 40s? I would... Yeah, he's... I think he's like 50-something. No. I think he's in his 50s. Oh, no, you're right, actually. Yeah, 51. And Vanessa Kirby's like I 31. Okay, so 20 years. Yeah. And when they do flashbacks to when the kids... They're like two years different. enjoy <laughs> those flashbacks, the Mick Jagger, and that was... Yeah, and the obviously Keith there's a, payout, a payoff, sorry. Yeah, it, it worked. But this movie was very predictable, which I think would be fair to say about most of these Fast and Furious movies. Admittedly, we didn't get the reveal at the end. So they don't show us everything. But when the movie opens and you've got Shaw visiting his mum and she's like, you know what I want more than anything is just one day for you to walk in here with your sister and you're watching it thinking, well, that's going to happen. <laughs> like that is literally going to happen. And then you get to the end of the and movie it happens. and it happens. But that's all right. Well, that's one post-credit scene we can tick off. Um, but the same thing on... On Hobbs's side, there's a scene in the I think it's a diner with his daughter, and you know there's a photo of like you know some of his family back in Samoa. And that was Johnson's dad. I read oh, that really? afterwards. Oh, yeah, wow, was, very nice. Uh, Rocky, not Rocky. Is it Rocky Johnson? But his his dad was a wrestler in the WWF as well. Whoa. And in that picture, it's him and his dad. Although it looks like they've digitally done something to Johnson's face because it did not look right. Which is odd. It's like, an actual of picture him. of him and his dad. Ridiculous. Maybe they changed nothing, but it looks like they did something to that photo. Anyway, like they're sitting there, and you know, he's mentioning like, like, you know, it's been so many years, decades. You know, we we don't have anything to do, them sort of thing. To his daughter, he says, like, I'm your family, I'm your everything. You know, it's just me and you. But you know, and this because of the trailers marketing, you're like, oh, they do go to Samoa, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah the trailers like, did. They did spoil that. But it's like, oh, well, you know that element is going to be brought up later. You know, like he's going to reconcile with his family. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I did, I did enjoy it. And one thing that the, the Fast and Furious movies do so well is travel the world. And you get to see all these different locations. So much of this movie to take place in London. I loved. And then, you know, that's your first, first act. You jump to your third act. You're in Samoa. I thought it was just absolutely fantastic. Although, what I didn't quite understand, and I've never been there, and I meant to research it, can the weather change like that? As much as it did. Like, one side of the island, it's sunshine, Pacific clear skies. Yeah. And then the other side of the island, it's dark and raining. Um, from my experience um, in Hawaii, on Oahu, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Fact checked. It rains over there and you're like, it's fine here. It was just hard because I hate that thing in movies. And I guess this is like where the, the island. Weather, yeah. yeah, where we still start a fight scene and it's daytime and then it's nighttime. Like, hang on. <laughs> How long have they been fighting? But then when it changed from different sides of the island, it's raining, it's sunny. Okay, so it, it was yeah, more about the environment, the elements. Okay. Yeah. Fun fact, they, they actually filmed those scenes in Hawaii, actually. So oh, okay. that's very cool. You know, as ridiculous as this movie gets with the stunts, it's the weather. <laughs> Bring up yeah, the speed. Hang on a minute. That's I the... just don't buy it. And apparently it's true. <laughs> that's the true part. Oh, mate, when there's the helicopter with Brixton up there and you've got all the cars hooking themselves to each other, it is bonkers. And I just liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I just liked it, he it says. It was stupid. It's like there's no way. They're not all dying. <laughs> Everybody's dead, but no, they're all, they're all okay. Even when they get in to the scene. edge of the cliff and the cars are all like falling off and it's like, how are they still... Like, yeah. But I think you have to go in and you have to know... Like, at least I knew that going in, I was going to see ridiculous stuff like that. So I was I'm... expecting it, so I went, <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, I'm I... glad that Brixton had a bulletproof outfit because I was under the impression from the trailers that he had bulletproof skin and that would be... You've got to draw the line somewhere with these movies. <laughs> Where I'm drawing the line is a, you know, the plot, the the plot catered for Hattie to she had like there was a time issue with the virus that was inside it. Ticking clock. So like it. they took like a 15 hour plane trip to Samoa to solve. The problem. <laughs> I was like, was it oh, 15 hours? Well, from where they were. Well, they got a charter, didn't they? I thought it? it wouldn't have been 15 okay, hours. Okay, so they didn't have to go through customs, but no. still, from like Moscow to, unless it was like a, a jet of some sort, it would have been half a day still to, to get there. All right, let's, was it, was it let's talk best? about, let, before we get, we'll talk more about the action scenes, but let's just talk Kevin Hart playing Air Marshal Dinkley, and I'm bringing him up because he was the one that helped he, them yeah, he got chart the plane. You let me know. Accident, sorry. <laughs> you set the prep early for this episode, and I didn't know until then that Kevin Hart was in this movie. And it kind of makes sense that he is. He's, I, I get the impression that him and Johnson are mates. They've worked together on the Jumanji movies. What's the other one? Central Intelligence. So he just pops up, and he very much is like the comic relief. I mean, I think he, he's in it twice. On the plane, yeah, it's, and then he's in the queue. You can't even really... Did you say the word cameo? I don't know if you did, but if you did... I it, did, yeah. I'd say... It's not really a cameo, because he has I think, multiple scenes, so it's just a uh, small I, role. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and, okay. Yeah, small role. Oh, let's go yeah. with that. Okay, not a cameo. Same like. with the other two, which we'll mention. In a well, Rob Delaney... Okay, not, he, okay, Rob Delaney, I think he's more role. in it. He, like... I really like Rob Delaney. He's great in the TV show Catastrophe. We got to see him in Deadpool 2. But I wouldn't put him up there with Kevin Hart and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. I think they're, they're separate. Ryan Reynolds is in this as CIA agent Locke. When we first introduced to him, I thought he was his character was a bit of a joke. He's clearly got a bit of a man crush 
on Hobbs. <laughs> but let's talk another post credit scene. He's killed a lot of people, and he's <laughs> yeah. showing that so he's he very capable in his own right. So you've got to think, if they're going into uh, Hobbs and Shaw 2, these characters are coming back. And like they're, they're putting their own team together. Yeah, there's something being set up with these big names. Unless, oh, they could just be one and done. But yeah, Reynolds just kept popping up. Like he has yes, a few he, scenes yeah, in right. the movie. And Not then, a cameo. And then, yeah, the post credit scene. And the joke as well, like, you know, when he's talking on the phone, it's the daughter. He's like, I'm so sorry, can you, can you put your dad on? And then Hobbs comes on and he's going, like, no, honestly, can you get your dad? Because <laughs> they sound the same. I don't know. Um, here's my theory. Ryan Reynolds is the voice. Do you want to hear my theory? It's Han Solo. He's not really dead. Oh, Darth. <laughs> He's not frozen in carbonite. It's really him. But isn't the connection to Hobbs, though, not to Shaw? That is true, but... Yeah. To yeah. get to Shaw, he must... I mean, the only... You could be right, but I don't want you to be right. That The only other character that we're introduced to, outside of the family members, that has a history with Hobbs, is Ryan Reynolds. You know, for sure, I thought that Reynolds and Johnson had worked together before. But this is the first time, isn't it? It feels so. very familiar. Whether it's just those two personalities together. But it just... I feel like I've seen it. There are, like, I guess there are like, very similar movies with the same sort of tones where the two actors are in there. Not together, but they do similar type of movies. and they. I mean, Hitman's yeah. Bodyguard with Sam Jackson. Yeah. I don't know. It just it felt very familiar. Like, it didn't seem out of place at all in this franchise. We usually put a big name like Ryan Reynolds in something and you'd be like, wow, that stands out. I mean, it stood out, but it and he's, kind yeah, of works. Kevin still. Hart, Ryan Reynolds, nowhere in the marketing. And I guess it was meant to be a reveal. Just sorry, my bad. Thanks, Jason. But you know, <laughs> before you, though, I did see something online and I tried to ignore it. There's a, there's an artist online and they do like mashup posters. And it was Hobbs and Wade and I looked away from it quickly and I'm like have you just shown me that Ryan Reynolds is in this movie so the seed had been planted before I saw your notes kind of forgot about it but you're completely to blame for ruining Kevin Hart well this movie bl- this movie ruins Game of Thrones if you haven't seen it it does <laughs> I mean <laughs> I, but then again no I think it does because I haven't seen it I still haven't seen the finale of Game of Thrones oh. have you Nah, but it sounds like the spoiler. It sounds like the end because they he says what happens to Jon Snow and what happens with the throne and or whatever. Like I don't know. It sounds like the spoiler. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit more about Brixton. He has the line, "I'm Black Superman." I really like that. What I did read originally in the script, what they wanted him to say, "I'm Black James Bond." And it's been long rumoured and people wanting oh, yeah, yeah. Elba one, yeah. to be Bond in the Bond movies. So whether that was his reason for saying no, but I think Black Superman works so much better. He's got bullets bouncing off of him and it's a great line. And then after everything goes down and then Johnson's like, he really is Black Superman. And that's what like really emphasised the line. They, they play with it and... Now, the best line from him f- for me, and when I say best, I mean the worst line I've heard a villain ever say. What is it? Um, Why are you trying to think of is it? Is it genocide, smenocide? <laughs> okay. Well, but there's, there's a line that Statham has, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to get it right. It's in the third act, and it's something like, war is what I do. It's something like that. Mm. And I'm like, 
didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a lot of what, you, what you're putting out here, but that one in particular I thought was a bit too much. War is what I do. I'm pretty sure that was the line. Action scenes, though. Let's get back to the action. I thought the stunts were great. The, and the, they were able to have the stunt and humour go side by side, and it just worked. Like Ooh. pre-falling out the skyscraper, you've got the joke in the lift, you've got the guy with the using his face or his retina as the access code, and it's not working, joking around who's going to fight who. There's the action scenes look good. Obviously, there's the issue of like things are just ridiculous and unplausible, but fine, whatever, move past that because I guess that's what this movie is. So, visually, like the things are looking like amazing, like really good, and they're really fun. It's the comedy that makes the scenes, I guess, have that funness to it. But at the same time, it also takes away any sort of dramatic seriousness to any of the action. It makes the action scenes literally that. Just fun, dumb action scenes. You know, even will, though they look good. Yeah, what I will say though, without you seeing the other Fast movies, tonally, this one is removed from all of them. Because you mentioned Looney Tunes a few times, and that's what I've said to you in the past. Like The special effects, it does get very Looney Tunes. Like, there's uh, well, one of the movies and they're driving a car from one skyscraper, not just through a second, but through a third, and the the cars are flying out of helicopters on parachutes. It gets silly. But the stunts are very high concepts, but when it comes to the actual characters, there's usually, like, there's there's a lot of... Like, just like, there's always a lot of stakes and there's consequences. Like, not all the characters survive. And, like, it's a worldwide yeah. threat. That's what the Fast movies have always had. And occasionally, you'll get some characters bickering, but that's not the whole movie. So they've just focused in on those particular on characters those elements, and made a yeah. whole movie around it. So although the, the stunts are often cartoony, the characters are quite grounded and real with the things that they're dealing with. So tonally, if you were to go and watch another Fast and the Furious movie after Hobbs and Shaw, you would recognise that tonal shift. Again, like when we first introduced to Shaw, Statham's character had just killed an established character, part of Dom's family. And now it's all shits and giggles. <laughs> Awful laugh. I mean, you, the effects and like action sequences are essentially, and not on a realistic level, but I mean, visually, are on par with, say, you know, the modern Mission Impossible movies. Like, I look at them like amazing scenes. But you look at the Mission Impossible movies and the tone and the seriousness of those, those scenes carry so much more weight, even though the visuals are on the same type of level. Again, not on a realism level, but on a visual level and stunt level. On par, but just completely different emotional weight and it does take away something when it's all just laughs. and So yeah, it, it just adds to the silliness when it's already so silly. I mean, everything that's happening in this movie is intentional. And I guess by having it be Fast and Furious Presents, they can get a bit free and loose and, and make some changes tonally to the characters. I mean, Hobbs is essentially the character we have been introduced to previously. It's sure that he's changing slightly, but then they're giving us reasons why. But both of them, even though the the you know the 
the world is at stake. They never completely take it seriously. Like they <laughs> yeah. they want to stop impending doom, but they're not putting their own bickering to one side. So that's where the silliness is is coming out. Yeah. The music, Tyler Bates. I thought he'd scored previous Fast and Furious movies. Like I know he did Guardians of the Galaxy. One, maybe two. I'm familiar with his work, but I could have swore that he'd done another Fast movie, but this one seems to be his first. There's certain riffs that did sound like Fast and Furious, which I liked. But overall, I thought the music was good. Post-credit scenes, I think we've pretty much... We've listed them, haven't we? So we get the... Towards the end of the movie, there's the voice. We still don't know who that is. And then we get... Hobbs going home to his family yeah, and then we get Shaw going home to his family and then well, you get yeah, yeah. and then you get Ryan Reynolds yeah and I was still in the cinema just waiting for more waiting for Vin Diesel and he <laughs> never he never arrived I thought there would be more of like something I thought there'd be something that I wouldn't understand but everything all the post credit scenes are related to this movie there wasn't. I thought there'd be a bigger franchise spin-off building kind of thing, or I thought other characters, setting, yeah. and I was going to be like, I don't know who that is. I thought they were going to set things up. I honestly thought we we're going to have something to do with harm in the post-credit scenes, but we get nothing. And when hearing that Kevin Hart and Ryan Reynolds were in the movie, my initial thought: Oh, they're the post-credit scenes. I didn't realize they were actually going to be a part of the movie. So when they popped up, I was still surprised, even though I was expecting them. Yeah. Just not where they popped up. So that that kind of works. I got a little bit of surprise, even though I knew they were coming. (laughs) So this being our first Fast and Furious review, your first Fast and Furious movie at the cinema. I'm very curious what your rating is. Yeah. Now, I think, again, like, if I was just coming completely 100% blind, had no idea what the Fast and Furious franchise was or where it had has gone, I probably would have gone in and been like, what is this pile of shit? But <laughs> because I know where at least the franchise is now and I understand that, yeah, okay, they are sort of within this realm still kind of keeping the same kind of tone, but kind of doing something different, whatnot, from, you know, from what you said, I go in and I know that. And I think the... The people making this movie and everyone involved, I think they know what they're making as well. And I think that's the important thing, is that they know that this is a dumbass movie. They know that the plot is pretty weak and thin. It is just a thread to tie together a whole bunch of action set pieces that look good and they are fun. And that's what this movie is. It is fun. The story is weak as shit. But the characters are also fun. Likeable. The banter is enjoyable for the most part until you kind of get tired of it um but yeah vanessa kirby um and everyone else who pops up the scenes in samoa like with the family or the brothers and the mum with the thong like all the slippers whatever you call them jandals even we can keep listing outside of <laughs> australia <laughs> yeah flip flop is something different yeah flip flop let's go with that yeah so the ones on your feet hilarious like I, I like all that stuff so yeah dumb movie but i think it's meant to be i don't think it's meant to be anything more 
But for me personally, if I was just going in here rating it for, you know, what it is, it would probably be higher because I think there would be more enjoyment. I think my testosterone levels have increased from watching this movie, maybe just slightly, um, or a lot, I don't know. But for me personally, like, there are things in this movie that just don't appeal to me. Um, you know, there weren't really even really that many car scenes, which I thought there would be a lot more of being a Fast and Furious type movie. But I'm coming in at a 3 out of 5. It's, it's alright. Fun, dumb, what do you want? <laughs> that is fair. And as we always say on the podcast, 3 is a recommend. You've just given me a thought there. This is the first Fast and Furious movie that I've watched at the cinema and not wanted to get in my car and drive fast. <laughs> but you're right, there's not a lot... I mean, there is some fast vehicle scenes. I keep saying vehicles because... We only ever see Brixton on a bike, which is doing all these kind of weird moves. Yeah, we'll with yeah, his, But we do get cars or... in there. But the other movies, it's all about the fast cars. And when we get to see Hobbs' family garage and his family's gone legit, and we get this whole story about Hobbs leaving because his dad was using him and his brothers for crime. So that's all, all very interesting. All their cars are like doped up and stuff. They've all got like switches yeah, that do so things. That's... I don't know what they're doing. But... So it does. It fits the criteria. Of Brothers and Furious mechanic or something. But the other movies, <laughs> it's it's I don't know. It's a different experience. It ain't street racing. That this movie is not street racing. This movie, it is a fun movie. I did like it. It was probably a little bit longer than it needed to be. I thought a nice tight two hours would have been a better runtime. But it is a lot of fun. Like I do like both Johnson and Statham. They're really good in this. Um, I, I, and Idris Elba. I'm a big fan of Idris Elba. It is a very enjoyable film. It's just not up there for me with the Fast and Furious movies. And for that, I'm going to bring it down to a 3.5. There's a lot of fun to be had with this. I just didn't get as much as I get from those other movies. But it's certainly, it, it's a lot of fun and it seems to be doing pretty well. Opening weekend at the box office, it's going strong. It seems to be beating, at the box office at least, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Ooh. You know, that's got a lot of critical buzz. In Australia, we haven't even got that yet, so we'll see what happens when That's it. true. As always, we like to close out on some trivia. I did struggle, to be honest, and a lot of what I was looking at on IMDb, usually a good source... <laughs> was it like we, Ryan Reynolds is in this we movie? We're probably <laughs> going to be bringing it up at some point. So instead, I found something that was quite interesting. According to producers and crew members on the films, Jason Statham negotiated an agreement with the studio that limits how badly he can be beaten up on screen. Vin Diesel has his younger sister, a producer on the films, police the number of punches he takes, and Dwayne Johnson enlists producers, editors, and fight coordinators to help make sure he always gives as good as he gets. Yeah, I heard this as well. Like, they all have these contracts put in place beforehand. And, you know, I think on paper, when you look at that and you you kind of try and read that, you, you go, oh, yeah, you know, like, they want to limit how many times they're hit and stuff. But I think it's about their reputation, their portrayal. It's their brand. Yeah, that's, they that's are a brand themselves. So if they're always being beaten up in movies, always getting knocked down and stuff, 
they're going to be portrayed as, you know, the weak guys. But these are big dudes and they're action stars, you know. that's It's what they are. They want to sell themselves as that. So, and I get all that, but I read this before watching the movie last night. Oh. And my experience watching the movie and the stunts, although very impressive... I mean, I guess, you know, stunt fighting is different to real fighting anyway. Sure, yeah. It's almost like watching a ballet. <laughs> like just watching it is It's sort of like yes. hit, 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 hit. And then now he has two hits and you have three hits. But you would think, you would think this would mean like, oh, okay, when we go into this movie, we're just going to see them take punches and not be hurt and, you know, everything's really fine. And for the most part, yes, these people are superheroes in these movies. Like, they're... It's ridiculous, but they are still getting knocked down. They what are still taking hits. Oh, of, course, of course, they are. They're but portraying all yeah. that hurt. Oh, I'm struggling. I did read it was uh, Vin Diesel, especially that he was wanting to like have some sort of chart, and he was becoming like a graph. <laughs> it was becoming far too difficult to track and to calculate. So I guess having his sister, you know, keeping an eye out is is helping him. But I did. I read something about Keanu Reeves. Now there is a stunt in John Wick Three, which I still haven't seen. And in the script, there were these two actors, and in the script, John Wick defeats them in a fight. When they were training, Keanu Reeves, he just couldn't quite get it right and kept getting hit down <laughs> over and over to the mat, and he was struggling to get back up. So then Keanu Reeves, he refused to have the characters be defeated by John Wick in the movie because as an actor, Keanu Reeves couldn't best them. And they had them change the script. Because he was like, it's just not working. <laughs> that is worlds apart from what we're talking about here yeah. with the Fast and Furious guys. But either way, they're all putting you know big spectacles on screen and they're all a lot of fun. I just thought it was very interesting that Statham... Diesel and Johnson, they've all got their strategies. It's, it's all about brand. It is. And they are the brand. So that's kind of my trivia. <laughs> oh, so that's interesting. Interesting conversation. That's it for our review of Hobbs and Shaw. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We are on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as that Film Street Podcast. We also have our sister shows. Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. And all our episodes can be found on our website, thatfilmsdewpodcast.com. If you missed it, be sure to check out our recent reviews of The Lion King and Batman Hush. Sounds Like Comics have an episode looking at Howard the Duck. And Rewind and Review went back to 1994 to review the original Lion King. And next up from Sounds Like Comics, The Rocketeer. Looking forward to that one. Disney movie, right? Old 1991. School. Old School Disney. Think... Indiana Jones, just different. Like Indiana Jones meets Iron Man? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys from that film shoot. See you soon. <laughs>